Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, the other day I was reading a story, and it was a story that really kind of tugged on my heart. It's one of those stories where you kind of look and you're like, really? And, and you sort of put yourself inside the story. You know, you're like, how would I handle this? And it was actually, the story was based back in 1555. And it was a doctor by the name of Nicholas Ridley. Now, Nicholas Ridley was just a normal guy. The thing about it was that he was sentenced to burn at the stake in England back in 1555 because of his witness for Christ. And I was thinking, okay, so here's a normal guy, right? He's a doctor. He's sharing his faith in Jesus, right? You know what that means. You know when our lives are changed. You know when we can't help it, but we got to share Christ with people. And here he is, and his crime was sharing Christ with with people, and his punishment was, well, he was going to be burned. Guys, he was going to be burned at the stake. And so the night before Ridley's execution, you are guilty, you're going to be burned. The night before the execution, I'm reading this story, his brother comes and he offers to remain with him in prison, kind of to be an assistance, right? An assistance of comfort. Let me, let me be here with you. And Nicholas Ridley declined the offer, saying, no, no, I'm okay. Here's what he says, Cole, I intend, God willing, to go to bed and sleep as quietly tonight as I ever did, end quote. You're like, wow, doesn't that just kind of like pull at your heart? You go, why? Because here's a guy who is going to and then be killed for Jesus. And his brother comes, he's like, hey, what can I do? How can I help? He's like, I'm going to go to bed the same way I always went to bed. And I'm going to sleep soundly. And you're asking the question, why? How How can this happen? And he goes on to say this, because he knew the peace of God. He knew the peace of God. See, he hadn't just read about it, hadn't heard about it. He knew the peace of God inside him. And he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his need. I was just like, wow. And you go, why did this tug at your heart? Well, here's the thing. Here's why it tugged tugged at my heart. Guys, here's the thing. I don't think that any of us, I I don't, maybe most of us are not going to... uh, we're not going to face a trial this severe. We're not going to be really, you know, put on trial. Now, the time might come when, when we're put on trial for our witness for Christ, but right now we're not going to face a trial. But, but here's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I was thinking, guys, that if, if we're honest, that we all go through difficult times and seasons. We go through this. Now, it may not be to the fact where we're going to die or, hey, listen, if you leave church today, we got a cross outside with your name on it. That's not. But we go through very tough times. We go through really hard times. And then I started to think about this. I thought, well, you know what? With those hard times, guys, if we'll just grasp them and we'll understand them and we'll know who the Prince of Peace is, then I believe we have an opportunity to fix our minds on God and to receive his peace. And so today, guys, I want to talk to you about that piece. If you're taking notes, you can see in the bulletin, we've entitled this message, Finding Peace in a Troubled World. See, Jesus, guys, is going to teach us about peace. Now, we often think that peace is the absence of conflict, but Jesus says, I'm not going to teach you, I'm not going to give you peace like the world gives you. 
I'm going to give you peace that only Jesus can give. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, here's a good verse to kind of, it's a good promise for us when it comes to peace. Isaiah writes it in the 26th chapter, verses 3 through 5. Isaiah says, you, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. Don't you just love that? Why? Because here's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, you give perfect peace to those who are those. That's you and I, right, who keep their purpose firm and their trust in you. Uh, Isaiah goes on to write, trust in the Lord forever, and he will protect us. He has humbled those who were proud. He destroyed the strong city they lived in and sent its walls crashing to the dust. But 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 here's the point. Isaiah's going, listen, you guys want peace? He's going to give you perfect peace, but here's what you do. Keep your purpose firm and keep your trust in him. Peace. In our lives, guys, there are a lot of storms. There are a lot of difficult times. There could be times in our lives when the doctor calls and he gives us the worst news we could ever imagine. There are times in our lives when the relationship just is not going to work out. There are times in our lives when when you don't get that job, you don't get that promotion, you get fired from your job. There's a lot of storms as you go through in relationships. And Jesus says, I want to talk to you today about peace in the midst of a storm. Before we do that, let's backtrack just a little bit, okay? Now, remember what we've talked about, okay? Jesus has just introduced us to the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person in the triune God. A lot of people think the Holy Spirit is some force in the cosmics. I mean, some, some, this great power. We need to get this straight. He is a person. He is the third person. He is God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus has just introduced us. And the reason he introduces us to the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to bring peace and comfort in our lives. You see, the Lord knows that the world is not all rainbows and butterflies. He knows that nothing is ever going to go as you think. He knows that that's not a, there's no such thing as a perfect life. And he says, but I want to give you the Holy Spirit so you can do life, so that you can be victorious in life. I want to give you peace, and I want to give you comfort. Why was Jesus saying this, church? Well, if you recall, remember, Jesus was saying this because he had been preparing his disciples for his departure. He had been preparing him for three years. Now, early on, the disciples didn't get it. Hey, I'm going to go to the cross, and uh, I'm, I'm going to die for the sins of mankind. They're like, yeah, Jesus, let's throw another log on the fire. It's getting you know, a little bit chilly. And then now, he's in the upper room, right? And he's telling them, and he's saying, hey, listen, by the way, guys, I'm going to be leaving, and I'm going to go to the Father, and it's going to be to your advantage, right? And he says, and by the way, tomorrow, it's going to be a really sad day. It's going to be a day that's just, just sad, and they're and they're trying to they're trying to just they're trying to put everything together, and you go, what, Lord, why why is this going to be sad? Why why what's what's going on? He says, guys, listen, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be hanging on a cross, but I don't want you to stress out about it. Say what, Lord? You don't want me to stress out? No, no, no. Listen here, why? Here's why. Because it's all part of God's plan for redemption. It's all part of God's plan. Now, that's what he tells the guys. How would you feel if there you are in the upper room and the Lord's looking at you and he's going, hey, tomorrow I'm about to die and it's going to be a brutal death and it's going to be excruciating and I'm going to hang on the cross, but don't stress out. I'd be like, 
Are you kidding me? Don't stress out. I'm stressed. Just let. Uh, well, I, I believe that we're a lot like Peter. Who, who's a lot like Peter here? You know, right? A lot like Peter. Why? Because Peter at this point doesn't understand. He just doesn't. He doesn't understand it yet. Why? Because because if you remember, he tells Jesus when Jesus is telling them, he tells them in chapter 13, verse 37, he said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? Right. And he says, I will lay down my life for your sake. In other words, Lord, I'll die for you. I'll do it. Lord, I'm just going to follow you till death if that's what it takes, Lord. And so Peter doesn't really get it. Peter doesn't really get it, right? And I believe Jesus, now listen to me. I know the Bible says that our Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrows and grief, but I believe that he had eyes of compassion, and I believe he smiles at Pete, and he says, Pete, really? Peter, you will lay down your life for my sake? I mean, that's like a great, Peter, amen, I'm going to, I would high-five you at that point, Pete. you got a great attitude. But, press, but Pete, Pete, listen, don't stress out. Why? Because I really do have some bad news for you. And Pete's like, what? I'm going to die for you for real? No, Pete, here's, here's what's going to happen. He says, the, the time is coming when I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until, Pete, you've denied me three times. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, now here, you, you guys feel the weight of that, right? Right, Peter's like, I'm going to die for you. And he's like, no, Pete, you won't. As a matter of fact, here shortly, within hours, you're going to be denying me. And, and I think, guys, put yourself in Peter's sandals, right? This is, if you will, this is, well, this is going to be an epic fail, if you will, on Peter's part. And you go, why? Because on three different occasions, our boy Pete is going to deny Jesus openly. He's going to die. He just, he just said you were going to die for him. And here you're going, I don't know him. I don't know him on three different occasions, guys. On three different occasions, Peter will make a quote-unquote bad choice and allow the crowd to influence his decision. A bad choice. And I was thinking about Peter's bad choice to what? To openly three times deny Jesus, I started thinking about our bad choices. And I thought, there's a point here. There's an application. Let's draw this out. And here's the point I want to make that I think is helpful in our walks. Sometimes in life, we make bad choices. We do, okay? We make bad choices. But I believe that Peter's choice is only a small part of who he will become. In other words, his bad choice is not going to define who who he is. It's only a small part. You go, Pastor, I'm sorry, what do you mean? Okay, in order to understand like the effects of bad decisions, I think it's important that we establish that what, I, what we mean by bad decisions or bad choices, okay? So I went to the dictionary and I said, what does it mean? The definition used here is this. A bad decision is one in which you override your senses... Choose an option that at some point, at some level, you know you should not. That's what it means. It means you're in a situation and you override, ding, 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 so your senses, right? You override those senses and you choose an option that at some level you know isn't right. That's a bad decision. That's what Peter did. That's what Peter did. And I'm thinking, well, what do you mean? Well, okay, okay. So Peter makes a bad decision. We know that, right? It hasn't happened to him yet. He's over here, right, going, Lord, I'll die for you. I'll lay down my life for your sake. Jesus, I'm, I'll go. I will, whatever it takes. And he's like, no, Pete, listen, you're going to deny me three times, right? And so, and so at this point, guys, here's, here's what we're doing, right? 
uh, a bad decision is when you override that sense. You know you shouldn't do that, but you do it anyway. You do it anyway. Now, let me explain. We have in the scriptures two people that I believe, well, we have many more, but I'm going to give you two that made a bad choice concerning the life of Jesus. A bad choice. Okay? Really simple. You go, who is it? Number one, listen, look, notice this person, Judas Iscariot. Okay? Judas Iscariot. You go, oh, yeah, I know Judas, right? What happened? Judas made a bad choice by betraying Jesus. Okay? He really didn't believe that Jesus was the Meshach. He didn't believe he was the Messiah. Kind of hung out with the disciples. But his bad choice was he made a decision to what? To betray Jesus. Now, you and I would go, Ben, that's a super bad choice. Here's the problem. Although Judas made the decision to betray God, I think if he would have took that decision, okay, if he would have took that decision, he would have owned his decision, and he took the choice back to Jesus in repentance, I believe he would have been in a different place. You see, what he didn't do is he didn't allow, he, he allowed that bad decision to then make the next decision to determine his future. He, he just kept going forward. He didn't come and go, okay, I own it. I own it. Now, Lord, let me give it to you here, and I confess it. And I think when we do that, that allows us, guys, if you will, that allows us, well, if we don't do that, let's just say this. If we don't do that, guys, we allow it to determine what we become. You guys with me? So what did Judas do? Oh, Judas took the money. He felt bad. He threw it at the priest, 30 pieces of silver, and he went out and he hung himself. He killed himself. And I'm thinking, did that decision, is that decision worthy of death? Judas, was that decision worthy of death? It wasn't. But when we allow the enemy to control the outcome of our bad choices, we, like Judas, feel like there's no hope. That's what Judas felt. He felt hopeless. He said, ah. Let me say that again, guys, so you get it. When we allow the enemy to control the outcome of a bad choice. Now, can we agree that we all make bad choices at times? We want to make good choices, but there are times we make bad. But when we allow the enemy to what, church? Listen, to control the outcome, then we, like Judas, feel like we have no hope. And like Judas, well, like us, right, something dies. Well, it may not be our life like Judas, but something dies in us. You go, well, like what? Well, I think, I think our hopes and dreams, they die. I can't move forward and in, 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 I can't move forward in my life because, because of the choice I made here. And, and I can't make, well, let's say I didn't really take responsibility here, so I can't move forward in my life here. And so what it does, guys, is it crushes hopes and dreams. Another thing that it, it crushes, it crushes relationships. Because our bad choices continue to move in the same relationship pattern. Instead of going, oh, I take responsibility here. It's under the blood. And then we're able to move forward in a healthier direction. But I think it kills relationships. I think it kills future. I think, it, that's, I think that's what Judas did. That's what Judas did. Listen, if you keep carrying the same choices from your past, right? You keep carrying your same choices from your past into your future. Guess what you're doing, right? 
You're simply repeating the same thing you did in the past. That's not, you guys see that with Jesus? Listen, I heard this quote. I thought it was very interesting. Listen, it says, don't let the past steal your present and your future from you. You might not be proud of all the things you've done in the past, but that's okay. The past is not today. The past cannot be changed, forgotten, or erased. It can only be accepted. It's important when you and I go, I accept my responsibility. I expect, I wonder what, wonder what the scripture would read if, if Judas went, oh, now I don't know if I really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but I know what I did is wrong. I know I made a bad choice and I'm going to take my choice and I'm going to come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. I know my Jesus and Jesus would have been, it would have said, Judas, I forgive you, buddy. I love you. He didn't. And he ended up hanging himself on a tree. You go, well, who's the other person? Well, the other person, guys, who made a bad choice was Simon Peter, right? Simon Peter. What did he do? Well, he denied Jesus. He denied Jesus three times. Think about what he had to do, okay? Three times his decision overrode his senses, and he chose to deny his Lord and Savior. Every time, ding, 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 don't do this, don't do this, no, right? Hey, do you know Jesus? I mean, could you imagine? He's like, listen, you said you were going to die for him. I don't know him. I mean, every time, church, every time he overrode his senses and he chose denial. The effects of his choice were so different than Judas. Why? Because he didn't go out and hang himself. The Bible says he just went out and whipped better bitterly. His tears revealing probably a sorrowful heart. But I believe that when Peter accepted the responsibility of his choice, he actually, and it actually produced a better Peter. When he said, okay, I accept this, I get this, I take full responsibility, I denied it, right? Can you imagine, you know, there he is in the cock crowing, and you're just like, oh, that was three times, and you go out and you're just like, Lord, I'm just so sorry, I'm just, and you accept it and you bring it to Jesus in repentance, I believe that doesn't define you, but it makes you a better person. It makes you a better person. Peter, church, listen to me. Peter, with the help of the Holy Spirit, would no longer deny Jesus, but then proclaim him with boldness. Proclaim him with boldness. You go, Pastor, do you have a point to this? I do. Listen, failures in life can bring us to a closer walk with Jesus. Failures in life can actually bring her to a closer walk with Jesus because as believers, we won't allow it to master us. We won't allow it to dictate our future. Failures for the believers are just opportunities for growth. That's how you got to look at it. Your failure is just an opportunity for growth. Let me illustrate it this way. I was sitting on my recliner one day, and my phone rang, and I went to answer the phone, and uh, I'm sitting there, hello, and it was a young lady, and the young lady was just having just one of those days. You know what I'm talking about? Miserable day. Life was just, it was, everything was just going wrong. Everything was going wrong, and she just was like, I, uh, and she's, and I said, God, it's okay, hold on, calm down, and I just, and I, and I prayed with her, and then, and here's one of the things that struck my mind, right? Here's what the young lady said to me. The young lady said, Right In the midst of everything crashing and burning, she said, I wish I could start over. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? I wish I could start over. And I said, and I thought for a moment, and the Holy Spirit said, no, no, no. I said, no, you can't start over. 
I said, because if you start it over with a clean slate, you'll still continue to make the same mistakes. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, the mistakes you've made have actually made you the person you are. And so she goes, okay. So I don't want to start over what I should do. I said, accept responsibility and then start moving forward in Christ. She was like, wow, right? Because I would love to start over. Hey, can I go back to when I was eight years old? Can I go back? I, I won't make, yes, you will. You'll make the same mistakes because you've learned from them to this point. You've learned from your mistakes. You're a different person. Nobody can take that away from you. And so when you stand, you go, yeah, that's where I was, but I'm not like that anymore. I'm a different person because of my failures. And sometimes in this world, the enemy says failures are bad. I think they're opportunities for growth. I think they're opportunities for us to walk closer to the Lord. I think when we stumble and fall, we go, okay, I am human. I can get up and I can walk in, in, in God's wonderful grace. And that's what Peter did. Peter did this. And as I was sitting there and I was thinking about Peter's failure and I was thinking about Judas' failure because those are the two in the context, I thought the Lord said, I need to give this as application. Why? Because the effects of bad choices does what? Well, in our text, it removes peace in my heart. If I don't deal with my bad choice, and it's okay, it's okay to make a bad choice and go, oh, okay, I know there's consequences, I'm going to follow that, but if I allow it to dictate who I am in the future, then it robs me of the peace. It robs me of the comfort. And I thought, okay, okay, Lord, that's good, that's good, give me some more. So he said, okay, so let's talk peace, let's talk peace. And he said, now, again, what did we learn? We learned that peace comes from the person of the Holy Spirit living inside us, Okay. We're going to see later on that Jesus says, hey, guys, listen, it's to your advantage I go away. Now, every time Jesus says that, I feel like the little kid holding the, the, the leg of my Jesus. No, don't go. He says, it's to your advantage. And I'm thinking, how is it to my advantage that you leave? Jesus, you're God, you're here. And he says, because I'm going to send you, help me, church, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to live inside you. And he's going to teach you all things and he's going to bring to remembrance. And he's going to be with you forever forever right he's gonna be with you forever you're like okay okay so what do i do so he looks at his disciples and he says okay when it comes to the holy spirit let's do this he says in verse one he says let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me so that's the first thing he tells us right don't worry don't stress let not your heart be troubled why, Lord, in verse 16, he says, because I'm going to pray to the Father, and he's going to give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, forever. How can we have peace? Well, that's what Jesus wants to teach us today, guys. How do we find peace in a troubled world? Before we jump into verse 27, can we agree as a church we live in a troubled world? And we, I mean, we can't turn on the TV without just really, if you're a believer, you're just everything. I don't know about you guys, but there are times, in, and I feel like this is such a pressure, like, like a pressure cooker world. Like we're ready to blow at any moment. And this person and this person, social media doesn't help and so forth. But I know that we've got, we've got what? We've definitely got a troubled world. Jesus wants to give us peace. How so, Lord? Well, that's where we pick up our study today. Now, after that's all that's been said and done, the disciples were agitated. They were stressed, okay? And Jesus lovingly tells them, look at verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, right? Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What's the implication, church? That the disciples were troubled and afraid, that they were stressed out. And Jesus says, no, 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 listen. Shalom, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. And that's what Jesus is saying. And then he looks at him and he says, guys, please don't stress out about this and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The implication, again, going, I know this is what life is about sometimes for me. Sometimes for me, if I'm really honest, that I feel like I'm, like, that I'm stressed out about life and I'm afraid about what, what the future holds. And Jesus says, no, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. And so I thought, well, Lord, if I'm not going to worry about this, I need, some, I need some help here. Help me define what you mean. And so I thought, well, we need to what? We need to what? In order to understand, we've got to define peace. We've got to define peace. What's Jesus talking about? Well, the problem is, is that peace, for many people, can mean many different things. Peace. You go, what do you mean? Well, like in one part of the world, like in the Middle East, guys, peace to them means the absence of fighting. Okay? Are we fighting today? No, we're at peace. That could mean that. In other parts of the world, actually, other parts of the world, peace means the absence of war or even the threat of war. Peace for teachers, right? Peace for teachers could just simply mean when the kids go out for recess, right? I need some peace. The kids are at recess. That's what teachers might say. Or how many of you grew up in a home with a lot of brothers and sisters or, or just a brother and sister? How many of you did, Right? Sometimes peace for parents could mean that y'all weren't fighting with each other, right? Would you stop fighting with each other? Would you stop bickering with, ah, that could mean peace. But what does it mean to have biblical peace? Well, if you're a note taker, and I encourage you to write this down because this is going to be somewhere in your Bible or the notes you're taking, here's what peace means. You ready? Completeness, wholeness. And an inner resting of the soul that never changes despite what else is going on. You go, what's that again, Pastor? It means completeness. I'm complete. I'm whole. And I've got this inner peace or this inner resting of my soul that never changes despite what is going on. Got that? In other words, jot this down somewhere. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the person who lives inside you. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Isn't that great? Because we always think it is. We think, like, listen, I want peace. Means means I'm not going to fight. But that's not what peace is. Peace is the person who now lives inside you. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace, right? That's what I want. Okay, Lord, so you said peace. So why are you telling the disciples to have peace, right? You're going to leave me with peace, peace I give to you. What's going on? Well, we could say in our context that the disciples are in the midst of a major storm. And I'm not talking about a storm like we had on Friday night, right? Where a few drops were coming in, and by the time you got home, sheets of water. I'm not talking about a rainstorm, but I am talking about a storm in life. And you guys know what I'm talking about, right? They're in the midst of a, they're in the midst of a storm. You go, how so? Think about it. Their leader, their Messiah, the one they've been following for three years, he's talking crazy. He's talking crazy. He's talking about dying. He's talking about leaving. No, 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 Lord, we have so much work to do. We got to get rid of Rome. We got to set up the kingdom. What are you talking about? You're leaving. Oh, Armando, 
Armando, Jesus is talking crazy. He's talking crazy, bro. What do we do? Right? That's what we're thinking. That's what we're thinking. He's talking, he's talking crazy. This is, right? He's, 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 preparing, he's preparing them for his departure. And now, here's what we're thinking. Let's be honest, right? What should have been a simple Passover meal, what should have been like, hey, we're just going to go have supper, it turned into what? It turned into a frenzy of feelings and mixed emotions. That's what it did. It agitated the disciples. It stressed them out, which should have been something like, let's eat. Let's just lay here. Let's have a great conversation. We're just fellowshipping, bro. We're just fellowshipping. Now they're just agitated. And you go, why? How did it start? Well, you remember, guys, it started with foot washing. It started with the foot washing. They all get together, right? They're all up there. Jesus suppers halfway. Jesus gets up. He puts a towel and he starts washing the disciples' feet. Now, why would that agitate them? Why would that stress them out? Here's why. For three years, right? Here's the application for us. I want you to grasp this. For three years, Jesus has been teaching them that he came to serve, not to be served. And all of a sudden, their leader, their disciple, or the guy, he gets up and he starts washing their feet. And that brings conviction. They're like, are you serious? And they're looking at each other going, oh, man, maybe we should have done that. He's, he's been teaching us all this time, and we blew it, man. We blew it. Church, listen, Jesus did that because he wants to teach us that we should be servants. We should be servants. That's what it should be. He should be in our hearts going, okay, I want to serve. I don't care. What do you need me to do? I just want to serve. I just want to serve. I want to serve the body of Christ. He teaches about servanthood. And then he teaches the disciples about forgiveness how we offer forgiveness to people, how we start the process. Because oftentimes, guys, unforgiveness puts us in bondage more than anyone else. And so we got to start the process of forgiveness. And then last but not least, guys, he wants to show us a beautiful act of love, an act of love. Let me ask you a question. The enemy, if, if Jesus is love, would you agree? What do you think the one thing the enemy would do to try to get us not to love? He would distort love, don't you think? He would distort what love is. And so Jesus looks at us and he says, hey, Sasha, People are going to know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. Sasha's like, amen. But what the enemy has done is, is he's trying to distort what love is. And so we really don't know what love is. And so our hopes would be this, guys. We would really want to know what love is. I want to know what, what biblical love looks like. Because if Jesus is going to wash the feet, then I want to know what it means to wash your feet. A lot of times we say, hey, let's, let's just love each other. How are we going to love each other? And, and, and I want you to think about this in your life. What does it mean to really love somebody? What does it mean? Do we really understand the true concept of biblical love? Do we understand the concept of love? And I was thinking about this driving, I was driving to the church going, Lord, you taught us to love, but, but do we really understand what it means to love? Does it, do we really get it? Is love just going up to my sister and going, oh, hi, sister, I loved you, and giving her a hug? Is that maybe for her that's love? Or maybe it's sitting with her at the hospital and holding her hand. 
Or maybe it's spending some time in prayer. What is, what is, and again, I'm struggling. I'm like, Lord, what does that look like? Why? Because guys, here's, here's our core value. Our core value is to love God. What does that mean? I think love God means you just come to church. No, no, no. There's got to be more than that. We got to love people. What does it mean to love people? What does it mean to really make a difference in people's life? And how do we do that? Living radically. Living radically. So the disciples, at this point, they're seeing Jesus serve. They're seeing forgiveness. And they're seeing love. And then he sits down. And if that's not enough, guess what, guys? He tells the gang, oh, by the way, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. This adds fuel to the fire of anxiety. This just blows their mind. Why? Because they were all really perplexed. As a matter of fact, Matthew says that they were exceedingly sorrowful. So it's not enough that you showed us that we should have been serving you, that we should have got down and washed your feet. Now you're saying that one of us is going to betray you? One of us is going to betray you? And I'm thinking, seriously, they were exceedingly sorrowful. There were tears. Now, to you and I, we're like, I wasn't there, so I don't know what this means. How about, listen, how about this? How about this? How about if you had served Jesus? You have been in love with Jesus for 15 years. You go, that's me, Pastor. I've been serving Jesus, loving Jesus 15 years. And I went to you and said, okay, in 2019, you're going to betray him. You're going to go, no, I'm not. I've loved him and served him for 15 years. I'm not going to betray him. I'm not going to walk away from him. And then your heart would go, am I? Am I? Could I? Could I really do that? Sister, could I do that? I... <sighs> could you imagine how, how the anxiety that you would feel at that point? No. I gave my life to Jesus 15 years ago. I love him. Oh, no. And Mark says that, guys, that, that they, they said to Jesus, they started asking, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And of course, we know, we know that Matthew, that Judas looked at him and said, Lord, is it I? And Jesus is like, yeah, it's you, dude. And so he gets up and he leaves. And so there's stress and it's not enough. And then again, think about this, guys. If that's not enough, Jesus tells Peter, oh, and by the way, bro, you're going you're gonna to betray me, Pete. You're going to, no, I'm sorry. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. You want to lay down your life? You're going to not to deny me. So I guess you can say, guys, there's just, just there's this vibe of stress and anxiety and a major storm in the life of the disciples. Now notice what Jesus tells him, right? Because, man, we can relate, can't we? Because we all have these storms. We can relate. And he says, fellas, you can have peace in the middle of the storm. I know your life looks like right now, lightning, and fire, lightning and, and, and thunder. I know you feel like the waves are going to come crashing all around you. I know you feel like this wind is just going to blow you. I know you, you think nothing looks right, nothing looks promising, everything's a mess. He says, but listen to what I say. You can have peace. Why? Because Jesus is peace. That's what he's telling them, guys. And you need to learn this. You need to learn this. Because you can have peace too, but you've got to say, where am I getting peace? Am I getting it from the world? Am I trying to get it from my job? Am I trying to get it from my relationships? Am I trying to get it, or am I, getting, am I going to the source who is the Prince of Peace and saying, Jesus, I want peace. Come into my life and be that peace. Be that peace. Guys, what can we learn? What can we learn from what Jesus is teaching the disciples. 
Here it is. You and I can have peace even when we live in a troubled world, but not the peace the world gives, but the peace that only comes from God, right? In our lives, man, we'll all have troubles. We'll all have difficulties. We'll all have storms, right? Wind, rain, thunder, lightning. And Jesus says, listen, I've got this wonderful promise. What does he say? He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. I've never, probably never had a storm in my life as severe as when I found out that my wife had breast cancer. And cancer for us in my family, the big C is really the big D, right? It, for me, it meant dead, dead, death. That's what it meant. Because you have a mom that dies of breast cancer. You have a sister that dies of cancer. Your wife comes home and says, I have cancer. I'm thinking, this is the biggest storm in my life. This is the biggest storm in my life. And I couldn't tell you the thoughts that would go through my mind. I couldn't tell you the stuff that I really, that I just, I just didn't, I mean, just didn't have this peace. And Lord, why, what are you doing? What's going on? And why is this happening? And, and it wasn't until I realized the Prince of Peace inside me that brought peace to my life. And so lovingly is my God that he knocked on my heart and he reminded me that my wife, although being my wife, that she was, she was God's first. And that he was, now listen, and that he was sovereign and that he was good. And you go, well, Ben, listen, there's Nathalie sitting right there. It's easy for you to say, God healed her. What about those of us who have lost somebody? that they've died, the same principles apply. God is still sovereign and God is still good. He's still good because he is peace. He is peace. And that's the major storm. And if you would have told me back then, I could have told you, man, there's lightning and there's thunder and the waves and you don't understand. And I used to think of things like, man, how am I going to pastor the church without a wife? What am I going to do here? How am I going to work this? Am I going to go home to an empty house? As a matter of fact, in, it, it's so real, church. Listen to me. It's so real that on Wednesday night when she was at the, at the conference, when she was at the women's conference there, and it's getting 9, 9.30 where I normally know where she's at. She's not home. It's almost like the enemy whispered, this is what it'd be like if she wasn't here. And I, you can't, I can't take that thought. I can't. I can't, no, she's, she's coming home. See, because, because I need this peace. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and neither be afraid. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is leaving me with his peace, guys, because he is peace. How is he going to do that if he goes to heaven? He's sending his Holy Spirit so his Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Again, what is this? It's the what? It's the verb tense, the present imperative. It's a negative, meaning stop doing this, Ben. Stop doing this. Refuse to do this. Don't be troubled. Don't, don't let your heart be stirred up. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lord, I shouldn't be afraid? No, remember this, guys. Remember that Paul exhorts the church at Philippi when he reminds us that when we are in a storm, what should we do? What should we do if we're in a storm? Well, Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, be anxious for nothing. You know what anxious means? Worry. As he's saying, he says, don't worry about anything. Oh, yeah? He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
He says, let your requests be known to God. What's he saying to us, guys? Think about it. Oh, my goodness, this is so good. He says, go to the Lord. Whenever you start feeling worried, whenever there's a storm, whenever you hear the wind start howling, you go to the Lord in prayer. And, and, and prayer with what? Well, prayer with, with supplication and thanksgiving. Once you begin to thank him for everything he's done. Wait a minute, Ben. That sounds a lot like worship. It is worship. When you worship the Lord in the midst of your worry, guess what? He says, what's going to happen? Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's what happened to me. God set up two guards on my heart. And when the enemy came in and said, oh, look what's happening to your life. Look what's happening to your wife. Look at her. You know what? She didn't have any hair anymore. That's what the chemo is going to do. The Lord said, no, no, no. I've got some guards right here. And the peace is going to surpass all understanding. People go, how, do you, how, how are you at peace now? I don't understand it. That's exactly why. I don't understand it. But what he does, is he's going to set up two guards to protect my heart. That's what he's going to do. That's how you can have peace, knowing that God is going to protect your heart. It's the word of God. And so Paul tells us, don't be anxious for nothing, guys. Prayer and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. Well, back in John, Jesus continues to teach. He says, you've heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. He says, if you loved me, you'll rejoice because he said, I'm going to the Father and my father is greater than I. Guys, look at verse 28 real quick for just a moment. Jesus is still speaking. The disciples are stressed. He's telling them, don't be stressed. What do you think they heard in that? He says, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. Do you think they heard all of that? Or do you think they just heard the first part? Just the first part, right? That's how we are as humans, right? It's a very tense crucial conversation. Jesus comes and says, I'm going away. And I'm going, no, okay. I didn't even hear the fact that he was coming back. Because coming back means, wait a minute, he's coming back. I can have peace. He's coming back. Do you guys know that he's coming back? Are you guys awake? You know he's coming back. Thank you. He's coming back. You can have peace in your life today because he's coming back for you. He's coming back for you. And that's what he's saying. He's coming back. He's coming back. And not only that, but he says, now let me give you the reason for this truth. Verse 29. He says, and now I have told you before it comes that when it does come, notice that it comes to pass. He says that you may believe. Now you all know this, okay? He says, I'm telling you this so that you can believe. I'm telling you this. Do you really believe? And you go, Ben, I believe in God, but here's the word. Here's the Greek word. It means to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. To believe in, to have confidence in, to have faith in, to put your faith and your trust in him. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, all this is going to happen, and I'm telling you it's going to happen beforehand so that when it does happen, you guys will have, you will have belief to the extent of complete trust and reliance. Trust and reliance. I love the fact that he gives us the reason. Okay, let's close with verse 30 and 31. Jesus says, I will no longer talk much with you. Why, Lord? For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment, so I do. And he says, arise, let us go from here. Okay, three things that stand out here, guys. Three things that stand out. Number one, Jesus will be limited to talk to his disciples from here on out, okay? 
The time is here. Jesus says, arise, let us go from here. Okay? They are now going to what? They're going to cross over. They're going to pass the temple. They're going to cross over the Kidron Valley, and they're going to head to the Mount of Olives. Okay? Jesus is still going to go into prayer. So he's not going to be pouring in a whole lot of truth. Now, we still have 15 and 16, okay, that we're going to learn from, but very limited from here on out. That's the first thing. The second thing, guys, is he says the ruler of this world is coming. Who is that? Satan, right? That's what he says. That's the ruler of this world, Satan. But he also says something so encouraging. Why? He says, and he has nothing in me. Do you guys see that in verse 30? He has nothing in me. You go, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, by the way, Satan is coming. Here he comes. But he has nothing in me. Satan possesses nothing in the person of Jesus and has no power over him whatsoever. That's what he's saying. You go, okay, well, how is that encouraging to me? At no point in the life of Jesus Christ, the devil can gain a foothold. That's what he's saying. And since you and I are in Christ, the devil can't get a foothold in our lives either. Unless we permit it. Unless we allow it. But as long as we stay in Christ, he can't do anything. Well, Pastor, I have bad days. I feel like the enemy is attacking. Oh, he'll attack. But he can't get a foothold in your life unless you let him have it. Guys, so when it, when it comes to finding peace in a troubled world, remember, Jesus lives in us. Jesus lives in us. I don't think anyone, anyone today has been asked to give up your life for the sake of Christ, but if, he, if, if, if it would happen, I hope that we'd have the peace to sleep tonight just like we do every other night. Without the worry, without the shame, without the guilt. Like Dr. Ridley, okay, Lord, I gave my best for you. And if you want to take me home tomorrow, I want that peace. I want that peace. I want that peace. Jesus told us, guys, in the world, we're going to have, we're going to have a lot of trouble. There are a lot of tribulations. There's going to be a lot of stress, he says, but don't. Don't worry about it. He's like, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. I think about the peace of the world gives, right? If you all have a smartphone, you got a, you've got the first ever presidential alert system this week. Did you get that? And it sounded like an amber alert, right? You're just like, what is this? I wonder, I wonder, just my opinion, I wonder if, if the world is trying to bring peace by letting us know that if there's any type of disaster that we'll know about it in real time. Oh, well... If anything goes down in the world, they'll send me a notification and I can do what I need to do. But I don't know if that means peace to you. I'd rather have the peace. Remember, peace is not the absence of conflict. I'd rather have the peace that no matter what goes down, my God has got me in the palm of his hands and he's not going to leave me and he's going to love me all the way to heaven. That's peace. So the question is, today... Do you have that peace? Do you have that peace? You go, what do you mean, Pastor? Sometimes we feel like today, guys, that, that you, 
Ben, you're talking about peace, but I've got to be honest with you. I feel, like, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. I have no peace with God whatsoever. You know what, Pastor Ben? I feel like I feel at times like I'm hoping that my I'm good enough that that Lord, like I, I believe in Him. I'm, I mean, I really believe in Him, but but I don't have this peace because I've never really surrendered my whole heart to Him. Ben, you said that that peace was like the absence of war, but I got to be honest with you. I feel like my spirit and His spirit they go round and round because I haven't surrendered completely to Him, and I want what I want, and he, I'm, I know I want to follow Him, and I'm. And I'm struggling, but I just, I don't have this peace. What can I do? In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You go, what do, you, what do I need to do? In a moment, if God is speaking to your heart, then it's time to surrender. It's time to, to, to really let go. The problem is, guys, Billy Graham said, the, the number one problem of people not coming to Jesus is pride. You're sitting there going, nope, nope, I don't want to know what people, I don't want people, what are they, what are they, they this, it's the number one reason for people not coming to Jesus is pride. And pride is going to keep you out of heaven. But when you surrender your life to God, you say, yes, Lord, I want all that you have for me. I'm yours. I want peace with you. And God will come in your heart and he'll give you that peace. Will you pray with me for just a moment and we'll offer you an opportunity. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We love you, Jesus. And now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray if there's anybody here that's not in a right relationship with you, and just needs prayer, just, need, just needs to say yes to you, that, Lord, you brought him here. It wasn't a mistake. Lord, I pray. And I'm praying your spirit would move. Lord, if, if, people are, if everyone here is saved, then I say hallelujah, praise you, Lord Jesus, and we'll, just, um, we'll continue to fight the good fight. With every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, I think you were talking to me. I think you were talking to me. I don't know if I'm, 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 I'm not at peace with God, and and I want to be. Pastor Ben, would you just pray for me? I'm going to lift up my hand right now. And I'm just, just pray for me. I, I, want to, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him in a way that I have peace in my heart. There's not peace. There's, there's turmoil. And I want to know Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I'm tired of fighting with myself. I'm tired. If that's you, will you lift up your hand and say, Ben, just pray for me. God bless you, sister. I see you. God bless you, sister. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? This is just between you and the Lord. You just want prayer. This is between you and the Lord. Anyone else? Real quick. Just say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I'm not at peace right now. I want to be at peace. I want Jesus to be control of all of my life. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised. And it's a real wonderful spiritual moment. And I thank you. And I pray for my sisters, God. I pray, Lord, that in the storms of their life, God, that they can find peace and comfort in you. And so I pray for them. I pray your work would do, your spirit would do an amazing work. If you lifted up your hand or maybe you didn't, would you just pray this prayer and mean it with all of your heart? You can pray it silently in your, in your heart to God, but just say something like this, Lord Jesus, I've made some bad choices. And I've allowed them to dictate who I am today, and that's not who I want to be. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me. I keep carrying my past into my future, and I want you to be my future. So will you just forgive me of my past? 
And I believe in you, Lord, with complete reliance and trust. And I'm asking you, come into my heart and be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend, Lord. I need a friend. Lord, I lift up my hand in, in, in faith, God, that you're going to do everything you said you're going to do. You're going to come into my heart. You're going to forgive me of my sins. And I'm going to follow you. So I choose this day, Lord, to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.